Hello and welcome, my code enforcement community. This is going to be episode two of the NJ Codes podcast. I got some great feedback from episode one. So I am actually going to follow up with a, uh, a fire follow up here because I got so many questions. I am very grateful. Keep them coming. Um, I also have a guest coming on a little bit later as well. So we're going to get to some building stuff. Um, if we don't get to that today, I will be dropping that on the next episode. But we have a lot to talk about. So I'm very excited. Um, I have some new buttons. I got a whole new podcast uh, gear going on. So, you know, we're going to be able to play around a little bit, have a little more fun here. So after the last episode, somebody asked me, how do I perform commercial fire alarm inspections and what paperwork is required? So this is extremely important stuff here. The first thing you need to know is when I perform my final inspection on a fire alarm system, that system's live. There's no coming back from it. The construction must be done. The, the covers remain off. That system is live when I leave. If it goes off, the fire department is coming, okay? I am usually the last trade to do a final, okay? It's, it doesn't work out like that always, but that is a good rule of thumb is, you know, fire should be the last one in there. So the first thing I do is I make sure that the area is debris-free, Um I usually like when they're done painting because they're not going to cover the heads and leave the heads covered. Um, all the molding and stuff is already cut and installed. Floorings down, you know, carpet. Yeah, okay, that's that's fine. But anything that's going to get debris and stuff up in there and clog those heads is, uh, you know, I'll come back. All right. So the question was also raised, smoke versus magnet. Um, smoke, smoke, do smoke. That's what's going to happen in the real world. Uh, same with carbon monoxide and same with the heat gun, heat detectors. Use the heat gun, okay? Biggest thing in this this game is, guys, we all know these, right? CYA. That's my biggest thing about this podcast is how, how do you protect yourself, right? Um, sprinkler systems, yeah, yeah. I make them flow. You're flowing water. Tampers, you're opening and closing every single tamper. I, I want to see what comes in, okay? Um Anything that's new, I am having them test and I'm witnessing it, okay? So when I walk in, everything's clean. I always prefer, and you know, you have, you know, contractors and stuff that, you know, you work with for a while or, you know, they know you and um, the biggest thing that I ask for when they're scheduling a final, you know, the girls in the office know this, is I want a printed pointless pulled from the panel. What this is... It's every point that that panel has in it, and it lists them out, okay? This gives me something I can cross off as I test each point in the system, okay? This ensures that I've checked them all, they're all tested, and they're all working, okay? If I find something wrong, I have that piece of paper there where I can, you know, make my corrections. Um, maybe something's labeled wrong. You know, whatever it is, like it just gives you a piece of paper. You can circle off what was wrong, write it down. And at the end, you have a nice list of stuff, stuff that needs to be fixed. So two contractors. I always have two contractors, two technicians, whatever it is. Um, sometimes it's a fire alarm guy. It's uh, two, two of them or an electrician and a fire alarm guy, two electricians, whatever the case is. One contractor stays with me for the test. All right. They're the ones testing the devices. The other one stays at the panel. 
They both have walkie-talkies, okay? They can then relay which device was activated and the proper labeling of the device in the fire alarm. So your addressable systems, it's going to say second floor room 307, you know, closet or whatever the case is. So my thing then is, am I on the second floor? Am I in room 307? Am I in a closet? So that's the big, big thing because most contractors go off plans that were submitted back when this thing was in like phase one of the project. Towards the end of projects, things start to get names. You know, now it's John's office on the door or now this office is uh, an IT room or office, you know, they didn't like numbers one, two, three, four. Now they're going to start at number 10 or all the 200s, whatever it is. Labeling can get out of control, but a lot of the contractors program these fire alarm addressable devices directly to the plants, okay? So when I'm testing, I'm ensuring that they have the right spot on them, and I'm standing in that spot when that goes off. You know, smoke detector near bathroom three. Well, maybe there's only two bathrooms now or something. They took one out, but, you know, they didn't tell the alarm guy that. Um... I also, I make the contractor P-touch every device, okay? Um, it's usually, you know, when you get a, a addressable notification, it's, I don't know, M117, um, front storeroom, okay? I want M117 on that device. Fire department, 2 o'clock in the morning goes in. They're, no, they're looking in the storeroom. They look up. Oh, there's M117. There's our culprit, okay? My job is to make their lives a little bit easier, and help them track down issues in a timely manner, okay? From there, every room, I check every room, make sure there's a device in there. I check every device, make sure they're testing every device, and I use my point list as my uh, check sheet. From there, it's, you know, make sure everything works, make sure everything's flowing properly, make sure everything's working. Um, I do make them do the panel test. I make them pop off, uh, you know, um, a lead to the battery so we get a battery trouble. Um, make them, make them short it out for a ground fault. I take a circuit off. I take a communication line off. I make them kill the power for the breaker. You know, anything that's in that panel that could fail, I want to make sure that that fail is being received by that panel and is transmitting a trouble. Okay. So after that, it's down to some paperwork, right? So any, 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 any fire alarm permit that's taking out whether it's a new install, adding devices, removing devices, programming something, um, relocating devices. I want NFPA 72, 7.2.2, number 13, is the documentation is required for the record of completion, okay? So when they're done with every fire alarm report, I'm stapling that record of completion to my tech card, okay? That means the work is done, this is how many devices were tested. This is what was blah, 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 blah. It's, it's everything, okay? And this isn't just a... This is a requirement, NFPA 72. NFPA 72, 14.4.2.4, also a requirement, 10% reacceptance of all existing devices. So this doesn't pertain to the new installations, right? This is going to be your... Let's say they renovated a room and they added a couple detectors or they put a wall down the middle. Now you have two rooms. You got to, you know, add a detector on the other side, whatever the case is, water flow, whatever, whatever they're doing. Um, what, what you're doing is you're testing all the new devices. If there's new devices, 
and then they are retesting re 10% up to 50 devices of the existing system, okay? And that's whenever a software change is performed, okay? So any type of programming, even it's relabeling, guys. If they're relabeling one of those heads to front office one, I don't know, um, that's the software change, okay? So that requires a 10%. Um, you could be adding or removing points from the fire alarm, uh, relabeling the device, like I said. This 10% is to ensure that the existing devices didn't get lost in the new programming, okay? So existing fire alarm systems, I need an NFPA 10% um, reacceptance, and I need NFPA 72 record of completion. Boom, stapled right to my tech cards, okay? So everything fire alarm should have paperwork attached to it, okay? It's just, I don't I don't finish something it is, and, you know, I'll say it again and again and again. Um, I'm not paying for that one, okay? I'm getting everything done, and if I ask for more sometimes, it's this is this is my license, okay? Um, I think everybody out there understands that. So I touched on sprinkler a little bit. I just want to, you know, touch on a little bit more um, how it pertains to uh, paperwork and stuff like that. So for all sprinkler work, whether it's underground or above ground, I require the contractor material and testing certificate What for above or underground piping. These forms lay out a number, the number of sprinkler heads, uh, the type of piping, the fittings that are used, uh, hydro test results, tampers and flows. There's so much more, um, but the, you know, it's a couple pages of everything about that system. Okay. So this tells you everything that was done, everything that's included again, stapled right to my tech card. As far as hydros, any sprinklers less than 20 heads, you do not need a hydro on. Okay. Anything more than that, they got to section it off and they got to, they got to put, you know, put, put a, put a hydro test onto it. So long story short, any fire alarm or any sprinkler work I'm, I'm, I'm inspecting, I'm attaching paperwork to that tech card. Okay. There's something from the contractor telling me what they did, uh, the results of it. And it just all this, all this other information that is so helpful to us. Now I wanted to jump into fireplaces for a little bit before I brought my building guest on. What I'm going to end up doing is talking about fireplaces for the rest of this show because I have two pages to cover <laughs> and I don't like leaving long episodes. So you guys don't get bored of me, hopefully, and we can keep flowing with different topics and different uh, fun things. So I'm going to talk about fireplaces mostly related to fire, but it's going to be a little integration into the building subcode. Um, which will set us up for episode three, which will be all about building and having uh, my first building subcode guest on the show. So the things we're looking for, and this is both fire and building, okay? So we're looking at a lot of different things. Residential, 1801.1, fuel burning appliances shall be vented outdoors in accordance with their listing and label and manufacture installation instructions so i just put a fireplace into my house outside actually gas ventless um, unit and i learned so much just by reading that manual to install it up to their you know specs and it was <laughs> it just it was great it was great going through the pictures and 
doing all the different, um, you know, clearance to combustibles, how it's different from other, other brands and the separation, you know, this one in particular had six inch separation behind it, the metal studs, which you kind of know about that metal studs all around, um, clearance from combustibles on the outside. I do 24 inches from the top of the hood to a non-combustible mantle and the mantle can only be, I think six inches. So it was a whole bunch of stuff. It was just really interesting. If you ever get a chance to look at a book, um, one of the, the man manuals, do it. I know it sounds crazy, but if I didn't just do it, I wouldn't tell you to do that. So you'll definitely learn something. Um, also when you're doing fireplace inspections, make sure the manual is on location. Okay. They should be submitting this manual to, um, the building department during plan review process, but make sure you have the manual on location because you're going to inspect it as that manual. Okay. Um, a lot of the drawings will just simply say, um, you know, as per manual, uh, you know, uh, user spec, manual user specs, something like that. So um, just make sure you have that on location. It'll help you out a lot. And a tape measure. All right. So it's got to be vented outdoors. Obviously, if we're burning something, let's be real. Let, let's vent that outdoors. Okay. The list and label is very important. Um, it tells you the use for it. Is it an outdoor unit? Is it an indoor unit? Um, you know, very important to have, you know, listing a label on it. And, you know, manufacturing instru installation instructions we've talked about. So the biggest thing I see in a fire world is I get a lot of wood burning fireplaces being converted to gas or gas logs or, um, you know, whatever, whatever, whatever people burn, wood pellets. So 1801.3, existing chimneys and vents. So if you have a new install, that vent has to be sized properly, okay? And you are using the manufacturer's specs for it. So if the manufacturer is calling for a six-inch, you know, outlet or six-inch vent going out, you have to make that thing six inches, okay? If if it's if it's bigger, read what the manufacturer says. So there's also, um, well, I'll get into the sizing a little bit later, 1805. I'll get into the sizing with it, but use the manufacturer specs when you're uh, when you're when you're, oh I'm sorry <laughs> on all new installs. Oh no, I'm right. Existing chimneys, new installs. Sorry, reading two different things. So yeah, if it's a new install, an existing chimney and vent has to be sized properly and use the manufacturer specs. So I'm going to get into a little bit later. Um, collars and connectors and all that stuff um, for sizing. So 1801.3.2, the flue passageways. I always, always, always require a chimney verification form and proof that they cleaned it. So if it's an existing unit, all right, uh, existing, something's existing, the chimney's there and they're putting something else in or whatever, if they're using a, an existing chimney, um, if it's previously a solid or liquid burning appliance or fireplace, it has to be cleaned and you need proof of that. Okay. Attach it to your tech card. All right. And that chimney verification form that should also be submitted at the time of the, uh, the review. All right. So plan review, I don't do plan review unless I have a chimney verification form. Okay. The, Verification form is telling you what they're using, what's what's currently there, um, the material, uh, the diameter. I mean, that's that's the reason why they require it, you know, in in the uh, IRC. So always make sure you have that those two forms. Um, I believe it's called a level one chimney inspection. They do a cleaning. 
they do an inspection of it, uh, make sure the firebox is good and all that stuff. A lot of townships require that for, um, you know, changing uh, residents, you know, doing CCOs, stuff like that. Um, but make sure you get to make sure you get that paperwork and you know, cover yourself. All right, don't worry about them complaining about money. So. 1803.2 connectors for oil and solid fuel burning appliances. So the material that could be used is pretty important. Um, the factory built, it, it could be a factory built chimney material. It could be L vent material, or it could be single wall metal pipe that is corrosion resistant and it has to match table 1803.2. All right. This uses the diameter of the connector. And it gives you the size, you know, of the connector. So an example is if it's less than six inches diameter, galvanized sheet metal gauge number would be 26. And the minimum thickness in inches would be 0 0.019. So... I don't pull out my, um, you know, my, my gauge thickness measure. <laughs> um, I am looking for the sticker or a cut sheet on that product. Okay. Um, we're going to go back to those. Always do make sure there's a sticker on there. Okay. Um, it's just the easiest way to ensure that you have the proper material in that fireplace. 1805.3.1. Uh, this is sizing. As per manufacturer specs, or if that's not available, it shall not be less than the collar or connector, but not larger than three times the area of the flu collar. Okay. Now we get to math it up a little bit. Ah, boy. So I have a little chart here. So area is area equals pi times radius squared. Okay, the biggest and easiest way to do this is go to Google and type in area of a circle <laughs> calculator. And so easy. So I cheated and I broke down um, all the different diameters in inches. So a four inch, the area of a four inch diameter is 12.566. So what that means, if I have a four inch connector coming out all right i cannot use a let's see three times more a seven inch it, a set the diameter of or i'm sorry uh, yeah the seven inch diameter comes down to 38.485 for the area okay so the 12.5 we have from the four inch is three times more than that the seven inch is too big. So you can use four, five, or six inch for that, okay? Because it cannot be larger than three times the area of the flu collar. So you have a flu collar coming off. It's a four inch flu collar. You could use up to a six inch. All right. The big the easiest thing to do, guys, is literally just just Google Google the diameter. All right. How how do you find the area of uh, of a circle with you know having the diameter all right and it's just it's usually just typing the numbers and it just automatically does it for you i just did that and cheated and make a little index card i have you know in my binder for plan review that always tells me what i am doing normally they usually match it 
Um, if they have the manufacturer specs, obviously that is always the way to go. Um, you're just guaranteed to always hit it perfectly. But, you know, it could be an older unit. They're repurposing something. Um, you, you never know. It could be numbers worn off. So whatever you got to do to get that right. But just make sure you, uh, you know, have your numbers proper. So flue lining material in a masonry chimney shall be appropriate for the type of appliance manufacturer. So <clears throat> if you're getting into the line, this is 1003.11. All right. If we're getting into um, a masonry chimney and we're putting a flue lining down there, it's got to be. It's got to match what the appliance and the manufacturer are calling for, okay? So you can't just leave, you might you might not be able to use a masonry chimney, okay? Or you might have a you know ten inch masonry chimney and this thing only wants a four inch sleeve or a six inch sleeve or whatever the case is. You, you have to make sure you have the appropriate lining in that chimney, all right, for that appliance manufacturer. Again, this goes back to having the manual there. This goes back to plan review. This goes back to the chimney verification form. Um, just making sure you have everything, you know, in your arsenal. All right. Then we get into the 1003.11.6. So notice of usage, which means it must have a permanently identified label if it does not comply with 10... Oh, three, 11, one. So that's, that's, that's your flu compliance labels. So there's very generic labels out there. They're, they're usually already put on, uh, the flues. And again, same thing. It's usually a, a metal rivet or, um, or a, ta a tag. So I've seen them tags and hang them off even, um, not as common, but pretty much riveted up, mostly riveted on, um, make sure that those are in place and they're visible. I like them sticking out. I ask people to make sure I can see them. Um, so when I go do my rough, I can very clearly see, boom, they're using this. Okay, go to the manufacturer's um, installation instructions and, oh, yep, we're using the right material, okay? So they have to have the proper labeling on it, okay? And the code in 1003.11.6 actually gives you a little, um, little description of what they recommend is on there or some variation of it. So take a look at that. So now we get into the fuel gas section, okay? So the gas appliances, okay, they must follow table 2427.4, okay? And I am sitting here staring at that section right now with the code book open, okay? And what this is telling me is the type of venting that should be used, okay? So it, the left side gives me all the appliances. So if it's, it's a Category 1 appliance, if it's uh, a listed appliance with uh, equipped with a draft hood, appliances listed for use with a Type B gas vent, um, they have listed wall furnaces, category two, category three, unlisted appliances, decorative appliances, vented fireplaces, direct vent appliances. You get the picture. All right. They list everything that you could possibly need there. And then on the right side, the type of venting system that should be used. All right. And where to find it. So what's great is let's just say I have a category one appliance. It says type B gas vent on the right. I go right to section 2427.6. And if I look over at 2427.6, let me turn the page here. We are getting into, if 
I can find it. Yep. Get, so gas vents. So it gives the whole thing. Materials, uh, installation, type BW, vent capacities, vent terminations. So this gives you everything you could possibly imagine. So it's really nice to, to have this section and refer to this during plan review. Um, this will call out to make sure that either the existing you know, liner is good for that appliance or you're going to have to switch something out or even an initial install um, for these gas appliances. So very good, valuable table to use as reference. So make sure you use it. Um, you know, there's what's another, what's another good one? Oh, decorative appliances and fireplace. Tells you go to the chimney section. Vented wall furnaces, 24, 27, 6, 24, 27, 6. Oh, same thing. Yeah. So use and abuse the section, okay? It gets into the termina um, terminations. It gets into roof terminations, penetrations, wall penetrations, gas vents, you name it. There's even really nice tables. If you give the slope of the roof, it tells you how far over the roof you have to be, all right? So if you have a 612 roof, you have to be a uh, minimum of one foot over top. Okay, so from the bottom coming up, you got to be at least a foot, all right? So use it. Um, it's really good to have. All right. That's going to do it for me for this episode, all right? I promise to have a building guest for you guys next week. Uh, again, I got a lot of questions coming in from the first episode. I appreciate it. Please keep that coming. And then I really wanted to transition into fireplaces with building. Um, I have a lot to talk about, and my guest does too. He's bringing a couple of manuals in. There, we just got this plan review for these new ethanol fireplaces. I don't know if you guys have heard of them yet. Very big in the cities and the high rises. They're ventless. You actually are pouring in ethanol for every use. All right, so very interesting stuff. <laughs> Um, apparently it's the same stuff they're using in sterno trays. So picture pouring out sterno trays into your fireplace and letting it burn. That's pretty much what it is. So very wild. Yeah. So we'll get back in some fires, um, fireplace specifics. Talk a little bit more about the building side of things with mantles and, um, penetration through floors, clear clearances, uh, to combustibles. Yeah. We'll talk about the, those newer ethanol fireplaces. And, um, yeah, we're going to have our first guest on this show. Very exciting. Again, um, reach out to me at njcodes.com or newjerseycodes at gmail.com. I appreciate it, guys, and uh, see you in the next one.